to another episode of No Trash, Just Truth. No Trash, Just Truth is a podcast of Proverbs 910 Ministries. We're your hosts, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. Welcome back. There are some people that God blesses with what seems like almost infinite wisdom and ability. Not us, but there are others. The person that we're featuring today in our series, Christians Every Christian Should Know, is one of these people. Last week, we looked at Charles Spurgeon, who was the most famous preacher of the 19th century. Well, today, we're going to talk about the preacher that's been called the most influential preacher of the 20th century. We listened to a lot of sermons from Reformed pastors, and almost all of them, at some point, quote this man. Most of them quote him pretty often. Yeah, they do. And that's partly because he was both brilliant and at the same time could lay out a theological argument that was easily understandable. The Christian that we're talking about today is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Goodreads has over 300 of his books listed on their site. So this man wrote hundreds of books. Mm. The Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust has a collection of over 1,600 of his sermons that are available for listening. He was kind of busy. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. And the sermons are definitely worth listening to. Martin Lloyd-Jones was born to Henry and Magdalene, who's called Maggie, Lloyd-Jones, obviously, in the capital of Wales, Cardiff. And he was born in 1899. His father, Henry, was a grocer. He had two brothers, Henry, who died during the 1918 flu pandemic, and Vincent, who became a judge in the high court. Yeah. The family lived in Cardiff for the first seven years of Martin's life. At that point, some of the people in Cardiff spoke English instead of Welsh, or in addition to Welsh. In Martin's family, his parents spoke to each other in Welsh, but they spoke in English to the children. But in 1906, due to his father's poor health, the family moved a few hours north to a village called Langitho. The three boys there had to learn Welsh. So at seven, he had to learn a new language. Langitho had a primary school, but it was about five miles from the family's house. From Monday evening until Friday morning, the boys stayed at school. They didn't have school buses then. Martin was known to say later, that he was really homesick during this time in his life. Tragedy struck Martin when he was only 10 years old. On January 20th, 1910, Martin, his father, and his brother Vincent were rescued from a house fire. Martin was thrown out of the window and thankfully caught by a neighbor. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. And that affected him later. The town of Langitho was associated with something called Calvinistic Methodist Summer Association, also known as the Welsh Methodist Revival. So when Martin was about 13, he attended this revival and he listened to a lot of eloquent preachers and some pretty intense preaching that left him what he calls later enchanted. But it wasn't when he was converted. When he was 13, the profession he wanted to be in was medicine. He wanted to be a medical doctor. And you wouldn't think Calvinism and Methodists go together today, but I guess at some point they did. 
Uh, it seems weird for a name, <laughs> but maybe they just couldn't decide which way they were going. I don't know. <laughs> Cover all their bases. Yeah. And Martin did follow that dream of being a medical doctor. Martin attended grammar school in London from 1914 to 1917. And then he went to St. Bartholomew's Hospital as a medical student. Eventually, he obtained his MD from London University. Yeah, and he wasn't just any medical student. He excelled. He had lots of awards, lots of notoriety, and he became a member of the Royal College of Physicians. In 1921, he started work as the assistant to the Royal Physician, Sir Thomas Horder, at that time. But something else was happening inside of Martin Lloyd-Jones at that time, too. Sometime in his early 20s, he became a believer. Not only that, he was feeling a call to become a preacher. And he struggled with it for a while. After struggling for two years over what seemed like was this call to preach the word, in 1927, Martin left the medical field and he returned to Wales, having accepted an invitation to be a minister at a church in a residential district of Port Talbot, known as Sandfields. Martin didn't return to Wales alone. On January 8th, 1927, he married Bethan Phillips in Charing Cross Chapel in London. Bethan was a doctor too. In fact, Martin was known to have said that of the two of them, she was the better teacher. Martin first told his wife, Bethan, that he was thinking of becoming a preacher during their engagement. And this is what she said to him. She said, you know that you can do medicine, but how do you know that you can preach? And his answer was, I can preach to myself. I know what I want to preach. And I believe I'll be able to say it. That was a legitimate question. It was a legitimate question. Very legitimate. You know, he enjoyed being married to Bethan. She gave up her career and she worked quietly in the background behind him. She was never begrudging of his time when he was away. When asked what type of wife a pastor should have, this is what he said. And this is his, his quote. What she needs above everything else is wisdom so that she does not create problems. And another thing is this. She should never have a special friend in the church. That is very important. Otherwise, it will create division and jealousy. Her main business is to look after her husband, relieve him of his worries about the home, as far as she can, handle financial matters, and very important, not to keep on feeding him with the gossip of the church. She is to protect him, to help him. And that's the end of his quote. Martin Lloyd-Jones knew that God was calling him into ministry. He was happy practicing medicine. It's not like he didn't like it. And he didn't quit to try something new. He had a clear call on his life to preach. And Martin Lloyd-Jones knew his own unworthiness in the message that he came to convey to others. On the day after his 27th birthday, he received a letter from the secretary of what was an evangelistic mission hall called the Bethlehem Forward Movement Church. Yeah. It was an invitation to become a pastor of this church because the former minister had left because of illness. And he accepted this invitation. The church secretary forwarded him a report, and this is what it said. And this place is known as Sandfields. That's what the locals called it. The secretary's report said, Sandfields, 
was 5,000 men, women, and children living in sordid and overcrowded conditions. Most of them did not attend a place of worship. The bookie, the publican, and the prostitute prosper here and directly challenge us. And that's the end of you know, that part of the report. So that's the description of this place that he's going to go and minister. They really tried to make it look inviting. Yeah. Yeah. That's really like something you want somebody to say yes to. I guess it's better than rose coloring it and you get there. And Yeah. Yep. Now, Martin Lloyd-Jones didn't have any theological training. He never attended seminary. And some people were really critical of that fact. And he didn't have any experience leading a church. But most of the church members here were really welcoming to him. Many members came to faith under his preaching there. He was a pastor that was able to forget himself. He knew his preaching wasn't about him. More preachers today need to understand that. Absolutely. Even when he became well-known, he truly wanted people to see the greatness of God, not his greatness. He felt that if he was going to be effective, that they needed to be overwhelmed by God and the Holy Spirit, not overwhelmed by him. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons he was probably so great at preaching. I agree. I agree. Martin ministered for 11 years at Bethlehem Forward Movement Church in Aberavon. He and Bethan had two children, Elizabeth and Anne. And Bethan Lloyd-Jones gives an account of this period of their lives when they were in, at what's known as Sandfields in her book, Memories of Sandfields. And I was having trouble obtaining a copy of that, but I want to get my hands on one and read it. it yeah, it like would be really book. interesting to read. Yeah. In 1939, they moved back to London where he was appointed associate pastor of Westminster Chapel. World War II broke out the day before his position became official. And in 1943, he became lead pastor at Westminster. Big difference between that and the first church. Yeah. He almost always preached expository sermons and he would go through entire books of the Bible. Sometimes he took many months or years expositing a chapter of the Bible, verse by verse. Can you imagine? You know, I was thinking of Paul Cox from Reptune says how pastors today lack that you take one verse and you do a whole paragraph on it. And, and he's right, but Martin Lloyd-Jones wasn't one of them. Nope. One of the few exceptions to his expository preaching was he did a topical series on depression. And that's a subject that's ignored by a lot of pastors. It is a subject that's ignored by pastors. And I listened to some of it. It's a little bit hard to listen to because some of the tapes are old and they say that they apologize for that on the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust website. But definitely, I think, worth listening to from what I've heard. Here's a funny thing about Martin Lloyd-Jones. He detested choirs. That is funny. That's, I know. According to a talk on his life given by Alistair Begg, this is what Alistair had to say about him. He didn't like most of the trappings of worship to go on. He wasn't a fan of getting the congregation in a mood. In his book, Preaching and Preachers, this is what he says. If the church were the minister's home and the people his guests, then he argued it would be permissible to say, good morning, how are you? So nice of you to come. 
But he regarded that approach as wrong for church. This is Martin Lloyd-Jones's quote about it. It is not our service. The people do not come there to see us or to please us. They and we are there to worship God and meet with God. A minister in a church is not like a man inviting people into his home. He is not in charge there. He's just a servant himself. And that's the end of his quote. It's an interesting quote. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he would be against that song where you sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Like you need to invite (laughs) the Holy Spirit in. (laughs) I'm thinking if he heard that song, he definitely would not be a fan. And if it was sung by a choir. (laughs) Oh, that would be even worse. (gasps) Oh, Martin Lloyd-Jones retired from his ministry at Westminster Chapel in 1968 because of illness following a major operation that he had. For the rest of his life, he concentrated on editing his sermons for publishing. He did some counseling and he attended conferences. He preached for the last time on June 8th, 1980. So he would have been 81 at Barcombe Baptist Church. He died peacefully then in his sleep on March 1st, 1981. And he was buried at Newcastle Emlyn, which is near Cardigan, west of Wales. Yeah. I have read some of his books and he is just, he's just awesome. So I think we should end with some of his quotes, like we've been doing with some of the others. So here, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Here's a couple for you. The first one says, you are always on duty in the Christian life. You can never relax. There is no such thing as a holiday in the spiritual realm. Here's another. The glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. And I'll give you this one to chew on. How do you know whether a man is a Christian? The answer is that his mouth is shut. I like this forthrightness of the gospel. People need to have their mouths shut, stopped. They are forever talking about God and criticizing God and pontificating about what God should or should not do and asking, why does God allow this and that? You do not begin to be a Christian until your mouth is shut, is stopped, and you are speechless and have nothing to say. (laughs) How about that quote? That's pretty funny. I know. A lot of people should heed that, but that's good. He didn't mince words, that's for sure. No, he didn't. Here's one. I sometimes think that the very essence of the whole Christian position and the secret of a successful spiritual life is just to realize two things. I must have complete, absolute confidence in God and no confidence in myself. Love it. Here's one on that series of spiritual depression that you talked about, Chris. It's pretty simple quote. You can, you can memorize it easily. Faith is a refusal to panic. I love that. Yeah, good one. I'll do one more. As Christians, we should never feel sorry for ourselves. The moment we do so, we lose our energy. We lose the will to fight and the will to live and are paralyzed. That is a great quote. Yeah. And there are so many more great quotes from Martin Lloyd-Jones. 
if you haven't ever listened to any of his sermons or read any of his books, we strongly encourage you to do so because they are well, well worth it. Yeah, he is a man who can take the most complicated things and simplify them so that everyone is able to understand them. And that's a good place to end for today. Have a blessed day, everyone.